Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, you are hydrating right now. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who <sighs> needed some water because week six, well, they didn't need water in, in South Carolina for that Mizzou, South Carolina game, but no. a lot of other people out there needed some water. It was hot yesterday, um, but week six is in the books. Uh, we saw three SEC teams in the top 15 go down on the road, and kind of because of that, there are now eight SEC teams in the AP Top 25. I don't think that's happened in a really long time. I didn't look up that stat. Been two years ago. Yeah, that's had, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. All right. A lot of changes in two years, man. Just <laughs> sound like a Fast and Furious movie right now. Oh, uh, well, we don't need to get into that ever. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about all the the things that I saw in the swamp and why you are so frustrated about my takes. Um, the flaws that we saw from publicly today. <laughs> The, saw, the flaws that we saw from Alabama and Georgia, uh, and just a, a lot of good matchups, I thought, across the SEC and why Vegas clapped back at us. But before we get to all that, Uncle Chris, tell us about some hot sauce. Now, let me tell you something. I don't think that it's going to be a big surprise tell you I had a tough day. Now, come on down. Uh, you know, I put some money on the game. Wait, are we we're getting Ed talks right now? I don't now? know. I don't know how. I mean, we're not doing the Ed talks right now, but this is exactly how I feel. I'll just be honest with you. Okay. I started out just in a just a tizzy. I was so excited. It was game day. I woke up, had some water, did the Facebook live. I had a lot of people watch the Facebook live. Felt good about my picks going into the day. Bama looked good early. I don't know what that secondary was doing, and then just in the most foreshadowing. Way possible. Alabama gave up a touchdown with 18 seconds left and a meaningless score at the end of a game. And Arkansas backdoor covered the spread. And from then on, Uncle Chris spiraled out of control. And let me tell you the only thing that made it better, Connor. I was, I was wondering uh, when you were going to get to the hot sauce part. <laughs> at about 8.30, <laughs> I realized the only thing I had eaten since breakfast, um, this is 8.30 p.m., was barbecue sunflower seeds. So I went down to Publix to get a little nutrition in me. And um, I did the responsible thing that I usually do if I'm upset. I ate my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I did the Chris special. I got a, I got some fried chicken, got some potato salad, mustard-based, not mayonnaise. Overrated. Mayonnaise is gross. Yeah, mayonnaise is you're gross. You're an idiot. Yeah. We're not, we're, you're going to have so many trash takes this episode. I just you got to pace yourself on these. Fair enough. So I came back. Put them together a little bit. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you exactly what that means, but yeah, maybe I put some fried chicken in the potato salad. It's something I do. I'll tell you what, I also did put a lot of Texas Pete in there, and it made all the pain go away. Every week we talk about Texas Pete, and I think you guys think I'm kidding about how much I love it. I love Texas Pete. I had it on my eggs for breakfast. Somebody said on the Facebook Live, over under on how many meals you would have had. You're gonna have with Texas Pete today. I didn't have more than three and a half, but of the two total meals I had, they both had Texas Pete in it. So we're. So, I mean, I'm like two as completion percentage. That's how I am with Texas Pete on my meals. It's about 100%. Efficient, yeah. yeah. At a real high rate. At a real high rate, guys, right now. <laughs> uh, my, my, uh, my TPR, right, instead of QBR, like my Texas Pete rate yeah. index, whatever it would be, mm-hmm. it's pretty sky high. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll say that. Um, yeah, so they just peek behind the onion there, guys. That's a, that's, that's a real thing in my life. <laughs> if, if you're looking for a way to kick up your menu while you're tailgating or just your overall food options during the day of watching football, Make sure you head on over to texaspeat.com slash tailgate. They've got amazing recipes that sound, they're probably a lot better than the one I just gave you where you just mix the fried chicken and taste out together. They're probably like actual recipes. But 
They're not just good, they're simple, and they're delicious. Don't forget to pick up a bottle of Texas Pete or two or three. Hot sauce at your local store before this week's game day. Nothing makes a game day better than Texas Pete. If you can't stand the Pete, stay out of the kitchen. Love that. If they haven't really taken that turn my yet, day they around. need to. That's yeah. some of your best work right there. A place where it was extremely hot yesterday. Here we go. Gainesville, Florida. Uh, we saw LSU go down for the first time this season. A game that went down to the wire. Joe Burrow throws his first two interceptions of the year. Brad Stewart has the, the pick six. And the swamp goes crazy. Now, Tim Tebow is in the house. We had, it was, it was an electric atmosphere. It was my first time at the swamp. So let me, let me throw that out there. So I can't speak. What was it like? All right. So I tweet out after the moment when Brad Stewart makes the interception and returns it for a touchdown. By the way, only Louisiana native on the entire Florida roster. Yeah, that right there. That's a little Sorry bit. Sorry for the sirens in the background. I think somebody got murdered outside of our apartment. Ooh, thoughts Welcome to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so that moment happens. And Florida has an open air press box. So it... Ooh. It kind of changes. It changes the the dynamic a little bit. Now I've been on the field before for for games and stuff like that, but I've never been in an open air press box like that. Where right. I was in the front row, and basically it was like the front row Sick of an crack. upper level seat, and the guy next to me had a pile of papers that I was scared was going to blow away into the the air the entire time, and not one did, yeah. which is amazing. Um, but that's not my point. You should have pushed him <laughs> off. That's our competition, you idiot. <laughs> I that guy was not our competition. I, I'm pretty okay. sure he has not discovered the internet yet. <laughs> Um, he took like three smoke breaks in the middle of it. Anyways, oh. yeah, no, not not a fun person to sit next to. But anyways, at that moment when Brad Stewart picks off Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow who has not thrown an interception all year, and I think a lot of people in that stadium expected him to do what he did against Auburn, which was lead them down the field, go ahead, drive. Joe Burrow's clutch. Florida finds a way to lose again. It's another game where they lose to a ranked opponent. Close but yeah. no cigar. Meh. Brad Stewart picks off that pass. Oh my god! And my eardrums First would off, not. He did it. He did it after two drops. He did. He did. And and he said after that the smart play would have been kneeling on the one. Everybody told him that he was well aware by the time he got to the sideline that the smart play oh, was kneeling no. on the one. Yes, it was because he gave him another chance. He gave he gave LSU another chance because it was only an eight point game. Yes, it was, and they could have run out the, the clock. The smart play was to run it through the end. No, it wasn't. Punt the <laughs> ball into the stadium seats like they did. That was the smart play. No, it wasn't because you actually could have run out the clock by taking it down did to the people one. People have that kind of mentality in the middle of a play. No, like that? no, like, like you, okay, yeah, you're getting away from the point. Let me let me just let me finish. Let me get this out there. So I, after this moment, when my ears are ringing, I have never heard a noise like that in a stadium where the place just went freaking berserk. I mean, uh, CBS yeah. said it. Everybody afterwards said that it, it, the swamp lost its mind. So I tweeted, I have never heard a stadium that loud. <laughs> and you quote tweeted me by saying, small sample size. Yeah, it is. Okay. So I'm going to point. That's the biggest stadium you've ever been in. Let me let me let me get this out before you interrupt me because this has been on my mind for 24 hours and I've not stopped thinking about it. I'm sitting in church this morning, like literally, just thinking to myself, "How dare he say that about me?" Because I might only be 28 years old, but I've been to a Super Bowl. Oh my God, I love this. I've been to NCAA tournament games. I've seen buzzer beaters at incredible college basketball venues. Remember when number one Kentucky lost to Indiana and Assembly yeah. Hall basically the roof blew off? Man, I bet there's like 15,000 people there. All right. That was nuts. It's like 19,000, and we can make the argument about the way that noise projects. But let's say that for another time. 
NFL. Let's get, into, let's get into the science of it. Be quiet. Be quiet. This is my thing. This, <laughs> this is, is my, my thing. Day. You've had your chance to talk, Mr. Quote Tweeter. <laughs> Silence from you. I've been to NFL playoff games. I've been to NBA playoff games. I've seen last-second Hail Marys in front of 90,000 people. I've seen top 10 teams play in electric atmospheres at night with college game day there. I've seen all of those things. I have never heard a moment that loud. So when you tell me that's a small sample size, it's true that I have only been doing this job for 14 months. And I have only been covering SEC football for 14 months and I did not grow up in the heart of the SEC and I get that that was the point that you were trying to make. But me, as a 28 year old who has done, done nothing in his life but go to sporting events and seen some pretty cool things, I'm not saying that to try and brag, yeah. That's a hell of a resume. You know, not trying to brag. That's why you listed out. Not trying to bit. brag. Totally not trying to brag. But that's a credit to how nuts that place went. And I realized after, it was kind of the perfect storm. Because for a yeah. place to get that loud, I hate to say it, Alabama's not getting that loud on a given Saturday. There, there are places that, are, that just won't because of the expectations and because right. of what a game means to a program. And this isn't, a thing about, this isn't a thing about Saban and the students leaving all that stuff. It was the perfect storm for the swamp to absolutely erupt. And you felt like in that moment that it was just all of this angst that this crowd had and they felt like they were so close, so close, so close. Yeah. And they finally got there. And that yeah. moment, you could ask players about that. They're not going to forget that anytime soon. Like Felipe Frank said after, he put on a headset and it was the first time he ever remembered not being able to hear one of his, uh, one of his assistants. The swamp was that electric. Right. So that's what I wanted to say. Because you tried to quote tweet me. Do you feel me. better? I do feel better. I, mean, I didn't try to do it. I did it. I mean, like, and and I, I'm sorry that I got in your head this much. I, I mean, I was only trying to, I was just joshing around, man, as the kids would say. Now, let me tell you where I come from, Connor. I've seen John Denver at the Fox Theater. I've seen the Iron Bowl at Legion Field with only 80,000 people there. I've seen World Cup games on my television in third world countries that look like the place literally did erupt because either a volcano or a riot ensued. So I'm not impressed with your list at all. <laughs> I need, I need no, to I mean, get that out there. I just, I, so when I read this, I, I, and I love it. And you know, I'm just, I'm giving you a hard time. I know you the are. Only reason I, the only reason I said it is because one, I was bitter as hell after that Alabama uh, backdoor cover really set me off I can tell. <laughs> the rest of the day. Um, I immediately went to tilt mode anyway. But because of the fact that... <laughs> You listed off in this resume of of all these games you've been to. The first thing, the fir and, and like I'm not and I'm not at all taking away from how legit and like lit that place was yesterday. That was awesome. It was. That was awesome. And I'm glad you got to experience. It. And that video you had of Tom Petty is Chills. hands down. So like before this happened, before like before like you, I'll get to that in a second. Actually, hold on. I love the fact that you listed the Super Bowl first. Like, that would compare at all to SEC football. Isn't that amazing, and though? I, and, and let me know. It, it, that, that was, like, the most lame-ass humble brag ever that you went to the Super Bowl. Because, nobody, like, people that go to the Super Bowl are rich people that afford can afford tickets or corporate sponsors True. that are taking their, their clients there. It's like, that. that's not the best example. But it's considered the biggest spectacle, spectacle in American sports. For TV, yeah. Yeah, it's the whole world. Eh, yeah, I would awesome. with that, but yeah. Sure, it. okay, but like you're talking about going to play in front of what, 65,000 people, 70,000 people? Right, no. I, and how many of them are actual fans? I, I, no, I do think that it's ironic, though, that we're, yeah. like, I, I'm saying because the, the atmosphere yesterday was so much better than what I saw at the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is everything is on the line. Yeah, it's but I think. once-in-a-lifetime moment, and that was a regular season SEC football game. That's all, that was, that was my point. Yeah, 
Well, I man, if you don't already know that. No, no, I do know that, and I yesterday Anyways, was a no, good reminder of it. What I will say is this: is it looked awesome. I was a little bit jealous that you were there. Yeah. I, I went last year to the Tennessee game. That's right. So <sighs> it sounds like you had a better. Hold on, let, let me finish now. <laughs> so yes, I wanted to post this thing because I love the whole thing that uh, Florida does with Tom Petty won't back down. It's cool. It's really and, cool. Yeah. So I, I I tried to put a video of it the other day on Instagram. So I like just Google search like because I remember seeing it like on CBS and getting chills and it's like the, it's a really really cool thing because he's from Gainesville and all that. Your video. First off, great job on the steady hands. I've been working. I don't on have that. that at my age, brother. No, but like your video. If you guys haven't seen the video, go look at Twitter. Um, I'll post it on on um, Instagram later today. But Connor's video of "Won't Back Down," the fans singing it going in the fourth quarter, is one of the coolest things you will see in sports this year. And I don't just mean college football. I mean sports. It is. I'm. I almost dropped a bad word. <laughs> Freaking electric. It's awesome. It, it so, is. There you go. And and I, I came away. I you had fun or whatever. I ate barbecue seeds <laughs> on my couch and my sweatpants. <laughs> I could definitely picture that. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to, to bring up that point about just the fact that Florida wins this game and, and, and everybody couldn't stop talking about the atmosphere afterwards. Yeah. And it was, there were all these parallels to 2008. And I'm not saying that this team is, this Florida team is 2008 oh, Florida. It is God. nowhere near that. Let me... Let me throw that out yeah. there. It is not on that level. But there were parallels in that, like, Tebow's there, our guy, getting yeah. inducted into the Ring of best Honor, friend. our best friend, our new favorite person in the world. He's there getting inducted into the Ring of Honor, all that stuff. And then you have these little moments throughout where Felipe Franks does the rock back, just like Tebow. And that little rock back where he had the touchdown pass was a classic Tebow move. And, of course, Mullen was asked about that I after. I don't even know what you're talking about right you, now. You, well, he missed the touchdown pass that, that, where the it happened. The rock back? Yeah, where Tebow would fit. It was like a play action to himself where Tebow would rock forward and it was looking like oh, he was going to take okay. the draw in, but then he rocks back, throws an easy touchdown pass on the goal Is line. Is that what basically. it's called? Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's the unofficial name. Mullen said that's it was... That's a Fat Joe song, right? Lean back, but you're close. On the right track. Um, Mullen said that it wasn't an ode to Tebow's and ode to scoring touchdowns. Whatever. Brandon Spikes, 10 years ago against LSU, punted the ball yeah, through the end zone the on best. the pick six against LSU. And what does Voshan Joseph do? Takes the ball from Brad Grabs Stewart. Grabs the ball from him. And punts it through the end zone. <laughs> I, I freaking love that. Now, if, you, if anybody knows anything about me, I think we'd all know that, at least at times, it's in my character, to be an a-hole. And like you, I, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't mind bad flips. I love bad flips. I love bad flips. I love showing up somebody. I, I love sportsmanship too. All that, but there is nothing wrong with a little bit of swag or a lot of bit of swag. And what Florida did yesterday, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. A prisoner of the moment. I don't think like some people. Wow, you're the, really throwing that out there at me. Come I just, on. I just man. know I'm in there already, so I'm just gonna keep digging. But I mean, I'm from like from watching it just on TV. Like everything that they did throughout that entire game was so vintage. We're Florida. We're better than you. We're we're gonna show up and like this is. It, it might be close like, throughout the game, but we're going to win the game. Pounded the rock, and, too. Yes, Pl- absolutely. But, like, with the punting the ball through the back of the end zone, having the pick six to seal it against DBU, and on top of that, my absolute favorite thing, the band played neck to troll LSU. That is next level. 
I'm I'm like I have goosebumps. You can see it right here. I got goosebumps. We're, that was awesome. We're gonna okay. So we praise Florida for the job that it did. Credit LSU for coming into that atmosphere. And Joe Burrow came came there ready to go. It was a tough yeah. go offensively later later on. I thought that Steve Ensminger for the first time kind of got got maybe a little bit in his own head. I thought that yeah. they could have taken some more shots downfield. It. They didn't do that, but and they dropped some passes. Ugh. They they did. Here's, here's why I bring up the crowd advantage and why I think it actually matters. The way that Florida was getting off the ball yesterday was darn impressive. It seemed that like defense, every man. single time Joe Burrow dropped back on third down, he had backside pressure coming in from whether, you know, CC Jefferson or Voshan Joseph got to him or front side from Voshan Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like every single time. And he had the one play where he got the he got rid of the ball to, uh, to Fossum Rowe, and it was somehow, yeah. I don't know how he got rid of it. But for the most part, he was facing that kind of heat all night. And it seemed like the Florida crowd was just trying to will that team to, to victory. And yeah. I, I can't, I know I've said a lot of good things about it, but I can't say enough about how important that crowd was in that game yesterday and what was kind of, as a program, you, you get these defining moments where you can kind of go back into one way and not make that big step forward, or you can actually make that big step forward. Yeah. I felt like yesterday, I'm not saying that Florida's going to compete with Georgia for a division title or anything like that. Well, this it's year. a home game for them, so I mean, it should be. I mean, that's debatable, but. I, I thought yesterday was a huge step just in terms of the program. Dan Mullen could not say enough good things about it and how it felt like what it was yeah. before he left. And I think for a Florida yeah. fan seeing that, because I asked people, like, you know, has this place been this crazy before, you know, during the McWayne era? And people are like, ah, maybe, you know, the, the 2015 Ole Miss game. By the way, that was the last time Florida beat a top 20 team at yeah. home. I know they had the Tennessee win last year, but it was unbelievable. It really was. I can't it say was. enough I mean, about it. Was, it was really cool to watch. I know, yeah, it was um... – and it's good. Like, I'm proud of you for, like, getting to go and all that kind of stuff and then also realizing that, like, they, I mean, you heard it here first. Like, crowd noise matters, guys. <laughs> What's the loudest venue you've ever been to? Or loudest moment that you can remember at a sporting event? Loudest moment. I mean, besides the World Series game I've been to, uh, multiple SEC championship games. Let's see. I know what you're Iron doing Bulls, here. I love this. The but... Um, I asked for one. I don't know. It's I, I. I haven't. I haven't taken the time to write out all the games that I've been to. So let me. Let me like take a minute. I'll do a jot list and then I'll get back to you. On hey, it. Chris. <laughs> when you know, um, you know. Oh, there it is. I would say probably the loudest I've ever been to. That's tough. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. You'll get back to me. I ain't giving you an answer. You got homework tonight. The weird right. thing for some people was seeing that. F- oh, the national championship game, probably. Yeah. I was in the Georgia section. So for like literally three and a half hours, it was, I mean, a lot of barking. A lot of barking. Yeah, but can a crowd that's considered neutral site. I should have just said no. I, sh- I should have just said, I mean, no, you, you had the better experience. I was, I'm glad the Swamp's the best. I'm not saying it's the best overall venue. I'm saying that was the loudest moment I'd ever heard. That's all. I, I will say that, and I'm not taking anything away from the Swamp. The reason why I was giving you a hard time about it is because that's how it is at a lot of places in the SEC. So welcome to the SEC. I will get to not, more and not, more SEC venues this year, next year. we got to get forward. to LSU. Oh, gosh. I can't wait to go to LSU. Hopefully. I got invited, yeah. So, <laughs> Anyways, so LSU is still ranked ahead of Florida. And I know a lot yeah. of people look at that and say, well, why is LSU a number 13, Florida's a number 14 one? They just played yesterday. And how could you not have LSU yeah. behind Florida? And the same could be said for Auburn still being ranked ahead of Mississippi State. 
Auburn comes in at number 22 in the AP poll, Mississippi State at number 24. And you look at this and you think to yourself, man, what, what are the voters doing? This seems idiotic. And you texted me about this earlier. And I, I want to bring this up because you brought up the, you know, the point about if you play head-to-head and you, if you have the same record, why do you no, rank I one team? No, I didn't say that. Well, that was what you were getting at, I could tell. Okay, yeah, all right. But my, you and my girlfriend, just tell me, or my fiance, just always know what I'm about to say, apparently. I do. I absolutely do. But so here's the thing about this and why I don't necessarily have a problem with LSU still being ranked ahead of Florida, Auburn still being ranked ahead of Mississippi State. LSU and Auburn have two, they each have a big non-conference win. Florida doesn't. Mississippi State, Kansas State isn't exactly top 25 team or anything yeah. close to that. So... If you take in, you got to take the resume into consideration, and you got to take the fact that LSU actually played well, Florida down to the wire, and it was a road game. Mississippi State won, won, beat Auburn at home. If they're playing on a neutral site, and if you're just comparing the resumes and trying to do all that stuff, I can kind of get yeah. what you're saying. Um, I wasn't. I didn't say anything about Auburn and Mississippi State. Auburn has one loss. Mississippi State has two. Mississippi Auburn's got State two losses now because Auburn lost Auburn to LSU. Is, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I don't think, I mean, I have a problem with LSU being ahead of Florida because they just lost to him yesterday. And, I, like, ranking them one spot behind LSU seems just blatant and ridiculous. I, like, I don't <laughs> I don't understand. But that. I don't think, it's people, like, but it's not one ranking, though. That's the thing you got to remember is that it's, yeah. it's like, so I, I criticize I AP voters all the time, and I think they're a yeah. little bit ridiculous. I talked about it with the Kentucky they, stuff. They definitely are. Yeah, they, I, they're, they are ridiculous. But LSU dropped eight spots for losing to a top 25 team on the road and playing them down to the wire. Right. When you think about right. that. And, 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 and last sense. week, last week, and now I'm going to get heated. Last week, Auburn jumped up two spots after looking like trash against Southern Miss. Exactly. And, and th- so this is the issue I have with the AP poll. It has nothing to do with like, like the LSU Florida thing is just a microcosm of like how they, the AP poll consistently votes. And I'll tell you what, brother, it goes back to 1966 when Notre Dame and Michigan State played to a tie. We'll get into that another time, though. Anyway, we've already gotten it into bo- that. Yeah, it's, that's a very good point. It bothers me that it's like I know, I know. Even I'm like I'm self-aware enough to know that like some of my takes aren't legit. They're not. They're not the best takes. I regret some things I said or predicted and all that kind of stuff. What I don't like is when you give like a forum like this that that ends up being important. Like the AP poll ends up being pretty important and like factoring into the eye test and how teams like look and like their resume and where they were in the season when you get to like the playoffs, whether you want to admit or not, like not you personally, but whether people want to admit or not, it does matter. And you've got people like whatever the dude Sorrento in Kansas city who started the season was like, I got Clemson number one. And then we'll actually look at that ranking that he set from Kansas city. Cause you know, he knows a lot about Clemson football and we'll look at them each week and say, well, I'm not being stubborn. I genuinely think Clemson is the best team in the country. That is a load of trash. And it makes me mad that, that people like that are allowed to dictate these rankings where it ends up affecting people later in the season. That's I would agree with that. It, yeah, because people say, well, the rankings don't necessarily matter. It's true to a certain extent because the selection committee still references the AP poll. Yeah. And they still reference wins against the AP top 25. And they still use it to say this team had four wins against the top 25, this team only had two. So it does matter from that standpoint. It does help shape perception a lot, especially when those those first couple polls come out. So 
I, you bring up a... You moved Auburn up two spots after beating Southern Miss that was unranked. They go on the road and lose to a team that you now have ranked, and you drop them 13 spots. 14 spots. That's 14 spots. What an amazing turn of events. I haven't seen anything like that since Jordan Rogers' weekly quarterback rankings. Ooh, you went there. There you go, AP Pool. That's the level you're on right now. I love it. Let's talk more about that Auburn-Mississippi State game. Uh, the Undertaker gif for Connor's dead and buried prediction. No, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not <laughs> that's at all. My, that's my, favorite, my favorite thing you've ever put in a Google Doc is, <laughs> is Auburn-Mississippi State. First line, Undertaker gif. <laughs> I'm, no. I'm like heated above above normal today, but that, that made my day. That was good. Mississippi State is able to do what we didn't think was possible, which was score touchdowns. That is, yeah. Crazy concept. Trust the process. I uh, told you but that. More so than that, running down the throats of what I thought was one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, impose their will. And, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time blaming the Auburn defense because – We've seen with so many programs across the country, if you cannot sustain drives on offense, your defense is just going to get gassed. And I think really that's, you know, that, that's what happened to Mississippi State against Kentucky when, you know, Kentucky really took over down the stretch and made that game, yeah. you know, lopsided at the end. But it happens to great defenses. And if you can't get off, if you can't have a few drives where you're, you know, you're, you're going 80 yards or, you know, you're taking six, seven minutes a clock, it just wears on a defense. And I think we finally saw <coughs> Auburn's breaking point in that, you know, it wasn't just a clutch late drive. This was an offense with a lot of flaws, and it took a Mississippi State defensive line that is as talented as they come to finally expose Auburn as frauds. So I don't want to say that because if I do, as a top ten, as a top ten team, they I'm, were. A fraud. I mean, I know I can tell that I already need to dial it back in terms of how how much hate is in my heart today. But yeah, I now. It was entertaining to watch, I'll say that. But my, are they not, Auburn's not good. Let's just say it, I'll just say it. Auburn's not good right now. Now, I, I will say this. I told this to one of, my, one of my good buddies, he's a Jacob Vargas, he's a big, big Auburn fan. And he he like tweeted something at me afterwards and I was like, you know, the bigger concern for me isn't the defense, giving up 350 rushing yards. That's some would say too many. Definitely. Um, but the bigger issue for me is the offense. Because, and we talk about this with like Barry Odom kind of getting like an unfair deal up at, up at Mizzou because he's a defensive-minded coach and they give up like a lot of points defensively. That is the same, like the same thing with like on the opposite side of the ball for Auburn with Gus Malzahn. He's an offensive coach. And you have got yourself trapped into this Dan Ugla-type deal where you re-signed him because of one month of being a prisoner in the moment to $49 million, and he's not going anytime soon. We'll get to that subject later about yeah. about that. But you, you bring up, okay, so the point about, about Malzahn, and I know a lot of people are, are frustrated with him, and as they should be. Watching Dan Mullen and the way that he rebuilt that game plan to maximize Felipe Franks, not put him in harm's way all the time. Right. That was a, gr a fantastic game plan. And some of the calls with the trick play and stuff, Florida looked great. Joe Moorhead decided, you know what? We can't throw the ball. We absolutely cannot yeah. throw the ball. We don't have an accurate enough quarterback. By the way, Nick Fitzgerald becomes the all-time leading rusher as an SEC quarterback ever, passes Tim Tebow for that, which is incredible in itself. Defense. Yeah, against that defense, ran for 195 yards. Looked like the Nick Fitzgerald that we've grown accustomed to seeing. Joe, and No, we didn't. 
And and that's that's the that's the biggest concern. He he still lacks the cutting ability and the top end speed because I don't think he's fully either healthy or like comfortable on that ankle yet. He's still and shifty. He still though. did it. He's still he shifty. Still did it for 197 yards. Yeah. That's that's a bigger concern. Yeah. Okay. So that that is that is a good point. That he's still maybe not 100. percent You know, the ankle stuff is is still there. But I I bring this up because Moorhead adjusted, yep. Mullen adjusted. Yep. Malzahn's not adjusting. He's so like this. This is I. What I ended up telling my buddy Jacob, the Auburn fan, I said a ten or two loss Auburn team is arguably the most dangerous Auburn team, and I said that with the one loss too. And I'm I'm not gonna give up on Auburn because they have too much talent on that roster. But this is a coaching. This is a coaching issue. This is a head coaching issue, and. We saw it in years past when he was like, I'm going to take over the play calls. I'm not, I'm not going to take over the play calls. I'm going to let the offensive coordinator do it. You cannot – they were on the field last night for a total of less than 19 minutes, yeah. that offense. And, all, and, and it wasn't because they had some quick scores. At one point late in the third quarter, they had run 32 total offensive plays. And because and I'm, I'm looking at him like, why are Stidham's numbers so bad? Why has he only attempted nine passes – and then you look, I was like, maybe they're just trying to run the ball like at will. And they had, at that point, had run like 15 running plays. And the rest of them were just punts and field goals. It's, and it's, not, it's not a problem necessarily, I thought, until this game, on the defense. But they're not good in special teams. They're not good on offense. And they showed last night that the best part, the best unit on their team as a whole also apparently has some issues and flaws. This was a tough game to watch Gus Malzahn just not be able to to dial up the anything that that they needed. And they had, you know the, the fumble out of the end zone. Couldn't run enough people in motion. Yeah, it, it was. It's strange to see this because I know a lot of people are. There are some people who bash Jared Stidham, and understandably so because his numbers are not good. And when no. you come in with first round hype and potential Heisman hype. And you and don't live up to receivers. You return all those wideouts. It looks bad on the quarterback. But if you kind of look around and you ask more people about this, and Tebow was talking about it too, you're not sure if – I mean, I think there's no doubt about it. He's not being maximized. He's just not. No, it, no. They're, they're not playing to his strengths. They're, they're the, not. The biggest, the biggest play he had on offense last night, and I, cause I, I was in the middle of tweeting it, wow, Auburn's offense really isn't good when you can't run four players in motion at a time. Because that's how he runs the whole thing. It's this crazy – you know, like motion plays and getting people like out of their comfort zone and not knowing how to, who to react to and, and, you know, RPO, all that kind of crap. The biggest play they had the entire night was like on third and 12 where they kind of slightly rolled, sit, uh, sit him out to the right and then threw like a backdoor screen to the, like the overweight tight end and it went for like 20 yards. Every, like gimmick, gimmicky is the only way that I think Gus Malzahn knows how to coach an offense, and that is not what Stidham is. Auburn needs to, to adjust. They, there are obvious tweaks to make. The schedule, as Gus Malzahn pointed out repeatedly in the preseason, he believes it's the most difficult in America. It's not going to be easy navigating through the SEC West. That much we know. But Joe Moorhead gets on the board, gets his first SEC win, and in the postgame press conference, <laughs> uh, there's cowbells going, apparently. There's loud cheers, which you, you know, not supposed to see it necessarily. They, it was press one box. of my. It was the loudest press conferences I've ever been to. It was like shut up, <laughs> shut up. And apparently he's like, oh, thanks, mom. And you know everybody laughs or whatever. <laughs> he's so, he's pretty cool. And then turns out it was his mom. 
Oh, was it, it really? It was actually his mom. So Joe Moorhead, a straight shooter nonetheless. That's pretty funny. Uh, good, nice bounce back game for Mississippi State. Absolutely your, needed that. Your leads going into these are incredible. In the Aren't they? Talk. Go on to the next one. Kentucky, Texas A&M, bury the lead again. I know we buried the lead the other day with this one. Um, down to the wire overtime game where Travion Williams gives the... Read it. The dynasty is dead. The Kentucky <laughs> dynasty is dead. It is no more. That's the first thing Connor wrote about this game. It yep. is. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that was a hell of a game, though. Yeah, I mean, if you love defensive struggles that seem like neither offense can really do anything, and, you know, you had a couple of big plays. I don't want it. You don't want it. Like they just—it's like neither team wanted to win, and it was weird because like, it to an extent it looked like what I would expect, like on on like a surface level of like Kentucky. Like, are they as good as we think they are? Oh, if you just they're, take the rest bad, of the year out yeah, of context, they're just battling and yeah. like it's close and like I mean that's a hostile environment. We saw Clemson go in there and have like escape with like a two point victory. Um, th- this was. I was impressed with like how I guess consistent the effort was and how like they they weren't they weren't um, what's the word I'm looking for here Connor imposing Scared, your will fearful no they definitely weren't doing that yeah um, no but like they didn't go in there and, and get intimidated by by A and M or Kyle Field or anything like that what I will say is that offense has some issues. Definitely. Like like we thought, and, and that reared its ugly head. They came out throwing, though. Credit them for yeah. for recognizing that if we if we can throw the ball and connect on some big passing plays early, that's going to open up things in the running game. Terry Wilson was ultimately not able to get the job done, but Benny Snell, only 13 carries in this game for 60 yards. We were wondering if the workload was going to come down eventually, and if the wild, if all of a sudden the Cats were going to have to say, we need it. We need our passing game to win us a game. Right. We can't get. We can't sustain these drives moving forward with just our ground attack and sustaining drives for Kentucky. <sighs> yeah, not so much. They had the fumble return, Man. but other than that, it was it so, was tough. And this was something that was tweeted out last night, and and I saw this and I I thought it was surely it can't be right. When I saw it, I was like, that's not a real stat. And I wish I knew the guy's name. And I'm sorry if I'm I'm blanking on it right now, but he said the first play that Kentucky will run in A&M territory will be the first play they run in overtime. They never crossed the 50-yard line on offense. Wow. Just like b- before a play was called. I understand they had a long touchdown. Right. They never got, they never had a play inside the 50-yard line. And that's a credit to, game. That's a credit to, to Mike Elko, a guy yeah. that I've, I've talked about a lot because I think he's worth the money, and I think that SEC folks are quickly going to learn his name. Of course, the Texas yeah. A&M defensive coordinator. Everybody wants to talk about Jimbo. and the, you know, Credit right. Jimbo. He gets his first win against a ranked opponent at Texas A&M. But uh, the job that Mike Elko did, shutting down that ground game and really making them beat them with yeah. you know with the passing game, I, I thought was, was impressive. Kingsley Kiki had the big sack in overtime to kind of put them out of field goal range and all that stuff um yeah, but that that and terry wilson can't take that sack no you, you can't i Which mean it's like the most obvious statement to make ever but like oh, uncle terry when is it ever it's first of all it's neighbor terry um, neighbor terry when when has it ever worked out for a quarterback taking a big time sack in overtime you know it just never seems to go <laughs> all right i had to get i had to get you good. good feels going again you were a little a little bit of a down mood i'm so salty today if you had uh 
if you didn't have a smile on your face watching that Mizzou-South Carolina game, well, you were probably a Mizzou fan. Betting on Mizzou. Shout out uh, our guy Adam Spencer, who had a rough afternoon watching that one with the rain delay and all that. But the rainbow was awesome. That was incredible. I absolutely loved it. I named it the rainbow. It's Oh, rainbow. Yeah, not the, the rainbow. rainbow. No, no, no. Okay. Um, that looks like so much fun to play in. South Carolina prevails after Mizzou just completely fell apart in the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, oh my God! That was like, that was one of the ever... worst third quarters I've ever seen a team play. I it it I've never seen someone try. It looked like they were trying to lose. Drew Locke's interception was a I'm shaving point. No, I'm not. I'm not saying it Drew Locke is shaving points, but that was. I know that, but that's what it, that was. You saw the play setting up, and it was like, oh no, the screen pass isn't there. Don't throw the football. <laughs> like like it's. The, I mean. Throw it at throw it at someone's feet. Whatever you got to do, and he sat there and and waited a second and thought about it and then was like, "Here you go," on a silver platter, man. Earmuffs, Mizzou fans, because what I'm about to say about your quarterback, your guy, the face of your program, you're not gonna like. And I'm sorry. I and I, I still like Drew Locke, and I still think that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, and I still think that his arm talent is going to be worth first round consideration at season's end. But what I'm about to say, you're not gonna like. That was maybe the worst interception of the year. Probably. That will be very far from his draft film. Drew Locke, well, if you don't include that interception, because technically it did go for a touchdown. <laughs> he has gone 141 minutes of play against Power 5 teams without a touchdown pass. That's bad. Real bad. How many minutes are in a game? There, there are 100, 60 100 minutes, minutes in a game. Okay. Yeah. I've been a molasses in your mouth. So he's, he's like... Yeah, I mean it's that's it's bad. It's bad and, and the conditions it's, were it's tough. Honestly, the conditions were tough. But what what and and I will say this for Drew Luck's defense. They had two receivers starting or two receivers out for the game. Emmanuel Hall, which is the most important one is out Needs for the him. game. Yep. And you could really tell like and I brought this up on Saturday morning like that hampers this defense or this offense so much in a way that I didn't think was was as impactful. Like they that he really can take the top off a of defense, stretch the field on you, and gives you a deep threat that like makes, you know, you don't have to bracket coverage or double team or anything like that. But it it's it brings a whole different element to the offense that, as you can see without him, but like for like the past two weeks, is really limited. They, really limited. And I got it against Georgia, but Carolina, I was and Carolina's defense is, is pretty good, especially their past defense. But this is that was surprising how limited it was. But they it also had so many drops. Yeah. They had, like, when they got inside the 10-yard line, again, it looked like point shaving. It was like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to do it. Alberto had the drop in the end zone where it would have been a nice play, probably a play that he makes easily if the conditions aren't what they are, but he was kind of diving, falling for it. Drew Locke could That's have put not the one, one on I'm target. talking about at all. Yeah, I know, I know it was. And that's the one that stands <laughs> out, though, because it's, you know, Alberto is, you know, he's money in the bank in the red zone. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a rough go all around. I think Mizzou was missing Jamon Moore. Well, that from was only last on the, year. that was only on the uh, oh yeah, without a doubt. That was only on the two point conversion. The one if I, it's the one I'm same one I'm thinking of. There was know, one they, they had like a uh, single coverage on him. But like there was there was one in the second quarter and it was still a pretty close game, but like it was they were up I think they were up fourteen or thirteen to seven where they had an opportunity to really like extend the lead and and like, get to a point, like, we're not going to step on their throats and the game's over, but, you know, kind of start, like, trending that way. And he hit somebody on an out route right in the hands, wide-ass open in the end zone, and he dropped it. 
And they, it was the first of three trips to the red zone that resulted in a field goal. Mizzou drops to 0 and 2 in SEC play. Gonna be tough considering what they got coming up next week. Get the I'm showdown. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, you're gonna see the loudest place you've ever heard, um, inevitably for that game. But we kind of buried <laughs> we we buried the lead with this one because. The, the more interesting nugget that came out of this was South Carolina and the quarterback situation. Yeah. Jake Bentley, a late scratch, I guess. Um, an interesting scratch after Will Muschamp didn't say that during the week that he was going to be out. We knew that he was banged up, but, um, yeah, that's... I don't know if that's why he was out. I know he was... And I don't know if he's going to come back in. He was suited up, which is kind of makes you wonder, but uh, Michael Skarnecchia comes in and lights it up. Michael Skarn. I did not make that. Boom! I did not make that yesterday, and I am so glad that you did. We have a Michael Scarn in the SEC. We have a Michael Scarn, and that's exactly what we're going to call him. You better better believe it, because I am not going to spend the entire rest of the season trying to pronounce and spell correctly <laughs> Tungavailoa and Skarnechia, Nekia, Chechnya. His, his nickname is definitely Threat Level Midnight. There's it's no incredible. question about it. Um, he comes in and ends up with uh, 249 passing yards, three touchdown passes. When was the last time that Jake Bentley had th- at least 200 passing yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions against Power 5 team? I think he was one yard short versus Arkansas last year. Yeah, so he's never done it before. You, <laughs> no. You cheated and looked at the notes. I needed I'm to sorry, have that I'm reading in there. the notes. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was interesting in itself. And South Carolina yeah. fans, after, are thinking to themselves, all right, me, this this could be legit. He, his first career start, uh, Jake Bentley, of course, not having the year that we, many thought he could in Brian McClendon's offense. And if you're a Will Muschamp right now, what do you do? Because you've made Jake Bentley the face of your program. And the, the, the lengths that you've have gone you? to to kind of build him up and to be the guy. I know, I know he's not in high school anymore, but... <laughs> Jake Bentley has been kind of billed as the face of this program, and I think that there are, there are some serious implications if you decide that he's not the guy. And credit Jake Bentley for having a great attitude on Saturday. He was, you know, he was up, uh, you know, off the bench and congratulating Michael Scarn as soon as he came to the sideline, all that stuff. You praise a kid for doing that, for showing maturity in that moment, but there is a big question mark moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you go with the hot hand. I don't care. I mean, and I, I totally get. Maybe one thing if it was like, yeah, Skarnacki came in and we won, and you got to go with whoever wins. It's not that. It's it's the numbers you just told you talk, you just talked about. I mean, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's not making mistakes. You're talking about a kid that just came off of a game where he threw three interceptions, and he has not looked good all year. And then you go back to last year, and his numbers have gotten like they've gotten worse and worse since his freshman year. He's regressed. Ever since he turned 17, things have gone downhill. And, hell, man, I get it. Same for me, dude. Same for me. I peaked at 16 when I was on JV football, man. I was a headhunter. Must and I was a JV junior the next year. <laughs> Must Jeff <laughs> had the great soundbite afterwards where he's like, don't question our heart. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. I, and, and you know what? And Quick shout-out to South Carolina. And quick shout-out to Missouri, first off, because that was a hell of a game. It was it, fun. It, honestly, it was like a like one of those like crappy Buffalo Wild Wings commercials. Like, yes, I, don't I, know what this I game thought did. the exact same thing. And then it was like, oh, you know what the game did? Hold on a second, let's deliver these <laughs> boneless Buffalo Wings. Boop. And then it's like extra time. That game went on and on and on. We had an hour and a half delay to play in uh, two minutes and thirty five seconds of it. And then Mizzou comes out, doesn't get anything going on offense, and 
I can't remember his name. I know he was a one-time Alabama commit. Comes in and knocks a 57-yard field goal Bomb. right down the pipe, and and it was it would have been good from 70. Yeah. It, the, he crushed that and then just walked right off the field, and then Carolina came back and scored. But yeah, I mean, shout out to Mizzou it was a hell of a game, and shout out to South Carolina fans for staying in it. That was awesome. Yeah, that was that was one of the cooler cooler games we've seen in recent memory. Not necessarily a game where you're talking national title implications or anything like that. Yeah. Just a fun college football game. I know, like I said, not for Mizzou fans toward the end, but still. Um, so two teams that are in the national title conversation uh, played. I don't like this the way you have this next topic. Uh, Alabama and Georgia won convincingly, no doubt about it. We're not going to sit here and, and break down um, all these numbers from Alabama, although two in the I'll first half. I'll have a half. separate podcast myself. Um, will it just be me ranting on a Facebook Live for four-plus hours going over the offensive game tape? I think both Kirby Smart and Nick Saban would agree that their teams are not perfect right now. And I think while Georgia got off to another slow start and a convincing finish, I think that Kirby Smart going into this game against an angry LSU team is going to look at a lot of the things that they did not necessarily do well in this game against Vandy and think that needs to be cleaned up, like 13 penalties in this game. That can't happen against LSU. They are not disciplined. Every week, I I brought it up after the Missouri game, and I thought it was an issue that they were undisciplined and had seven penalties. And then you go the next week against Tennessee – they have another unsportsmanlike where DeAndre Walker hits somebody late, <clears throat> and then Kirby makes him. Makes Look him at the scoreboard, it. man! It was like what he did, like what you would do to like a dog or something. Like like it's like, look what you did. It's like I still love you, but come on. <laughs> so, um, but like then this week, you just keep thinking. And I was like, man, like at some point, because that's the kind of coach he is. Like he's not, it 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 the execution from like a team standpoint. It's in every single level. So it's not okay. This isn't like the U from the late 80s. Like, it's not okay to have 13 penalties or even seven penalties. And you come out and double it two weeks later. Not good. That offense, though. Jake Fromm. The battle we've been waiting for, the Jordan Rodgers Super Bowl of SEC quarterbacks, Jake Fromm against Kyle Shermer. Believe it or not, Jake Fromm got the better of Kyle Shermer. I'm I'm not even going to ask permission. I'm going to say it. Your boy, Jordan Rodgers replied to my tweet making fun of this. Whoa, 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 whoa. When, when did we decide that he's my boy? He is okay, our collective right. yeah. podcast frenemy at best, enemy he, at he worst. He responded to my tweet where I quoted his week four, week three rankings and said, hashtag never forget. <laughs> and I was obviously referring to how we started this whole thing. And it, and damn if my dude didn't respond to the text of or to the tweet. During his broadcast, like what? What is that, man? I love wow. it. And then and then doubled down it and responded again after I made fun of it. And then he was like, "It says weekly," and he quoted weekly, which was my favorite part because he never said weekly. Yeah, we could find all the tweets where he said that Jake Fromm is an, an NFL draft pick. Um, yeah, he didn't respond to that one. Yeah, no, of course not. But uh, we, it was almost like Jake Fromm heard what he was saying, and then he, of course, had like the 75-yard touchdown pass in the first possession there. And what a dime. Yeah, that was that was, that was How a electric nice, is nice Michael Hardman, by the way? He, I, David Pollock put this best. He plays at a different speed than everybody he else. He, he, does. he looks like a, a video game guy. When he turns the corner, you're just like, yep, okay, that's it. No chance. It's, on, on punt returns especially, it looks like, it looks like what watching 
a recruiting highlight reel from high school would look like. Right. There's like a kid that's obviously really good. He's he's a he's better than everyone else around him. So at least on punt returns, that's exactly what it looks like to me. I'm like, oh my god, he's like gonna that. take it to the house every time. Georgia is going to enter a, a difficult part of its schedule moving forward. Of course, we've talked a lot, and we're going to continue. We're, we'll talk a lot more this week about the showdown in Baton Rouge. And then after, you get the bye week, but then you get Florida, you get Kentucky, and then you get Auburn. This is a four-game stretch where some of the mistakes that we've seen Georgia make, I think you just can't repeat in this four-game stretch because the margin for error for a Georgia team that we still believe is going to make it to the SEC championship and probably face Alabama. I'm not saying that's for sure going to happen, but that's what we think is going to happen. The margin for error is not good. So Kirby Smart's going to talk about that all week. you got to be able to play a perfect game in Death Valley and what we know is going to be uh, a hostile environment there. Dude, so, I don't know. I've, I've heard much louder stadiums. You're the worst. <laughs> I just like, I just, I, I, will, I, I almost... I almost, ugh, I wish this game was at night. That's all I'm going to say. I, I wish know. this game was at night. I, and, I bet Coach O does too. We're going to get to Coach O's thoughts later. We will We will get to those. But real quick, I want to hit on what what had you uh, set off on Saturday. Not just that Arkansas had a backdoor cover. By the way, credit Ty Story for, again, showing up and showing that he's capable of at least looking like a starting quarterback in the SEC. Um, for This the is the story of a hurl. I thought we agreed we were never going to say that again. Oh, you said not to, but I mean, you said a lot of things. Alabama secondary in this game, not atrocious. Great, Nick Saban, not atrocious. Happy. Yeah. So, and and this was my favorite quote from Saban this week. He said, "Well, it's hard to consider it uh, hard to say that we beat a team when you gave up 31 points." And he's right. You know how many times? Um, you know how many times Alabama gave up 31 points last year? Two. Zero. And I know that because when I argued with every Ohio State fan that would listen about how they shouldn't be in the playoff. I said they gave up 55 points to an unranked, uh, what do you call it, an unranked Iowa team. Bama hadn't given up more than 30 points the entire season. I, I thought maybe in the first like, quarter, first half, they were just finding some luck with, like, wheel routes. You know how much I hate wheel routes. First of all, it's pronounced wheel routes. Wheel routes. Um, that, and they were, like, we could not cover a tight end. It would, that was amazing. Um, but they hit everything. They hit running backs. They hit tight ends. They hit receivers. There were so many lapses in coverage. It was definitely a concern. And Ty's story in the first half was 17 of 25. He wasn't scared. <laughs> this is... No. Um, no. <laughs> it is, but no, like, and, and credit to Arkansas. Arkansas looked good. And I know it's just me being jaded and bitter. I lost the bet. You definitely are. But, but like... God, it makes me so mad. They had you want you want a stat that's going to make you feel better. This is going to be your stat that you're going to steal this week and use for all things. Oh, we work for the same company. I know we do. Stealing. I know we do. <laughs> so we think about that 2016 Alabama team as one of the most dominant teams that we've ever seen. Right, best the way, I've ever seen Alabama ever. Way that they ran through the regular season, nobody stood a chance against them. I even made the point during this past week about how. Maybe you could see a scenario in which 2018 Alabama is so unfamiliar with getting tested and having to play a full 60 minutes that you yeah. kind of worry about conditioning with these first-string guys if they're never yeah. having to play a full 60 minutes. That Alabama team was so dominant. But get this. In the first half of games that season, that entire 2016 yeah. season where they played 15 games, in the first half, Alabama was plus 203 in point, point margin. Oh, they're at 218 now. They're at 204 now. Oh. So they're already ahead of that. 
Okay. They have only played six games. That is really, really good. Really good. And really that's, good. That so, and this is this is the whole thing we've talked about, and this is it's just it's different. It is a different thing to watch now because the reason why I still say that is the best Alabama team, and maybe up until now that I've ever seen played Alabama. And I know they didn't win the championship, is because Connor at one point they had they had seven straight games where they had a non-offensive touchdown, and it, and go, like I think four of the seven. They had, or three of the seven, they had scored in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. A touchdown on all three. At going into the eighth game of the year, it was negative money. Like The line was not in your favor to bet on whether or not they would have a non-offensive touchdown, which is not something that happens often, I would think. That's a crazy stat. This is different now because they score a lot of points. Yeah, that, defense, that defense gives up. More points than I think fans are comfortable with or understanding of. But that offense had 464 yards of total offense in the first half. I good. get that it's Arkansas. But it's, it, what's funny to me about it is, and I, I, I don't think Bama's played a tough schedule. I don't know. I think that Bama's really good. I don't know for sure until they play somebody. I still think Ohio State would challenge them. With I think they're very evenly matched. That being said, I love the, the response as a narrative every time. Like it's like Tua does something, and you're like, yeah, all right, we ain't played nobody. So you do that against somebody else. And like the next week, he does something even more impressive, and then the next week, he does something even more impressive. Or like just he ne- he never takes a step back. He has seven less touchdowns than incompletions on the season. Pretty good. This is the story of a hurl. Rest in peace, that joke forever. Let's look ahead because that's what we love to do here. Week seven already. We're going to do a bunch. I, I know I know you told me not to say this, but I have to acknowledge it. We're going to do a bunch of stuff. I think this week, some mid, mid-season uh, maybe awards, some, throw some of that stuff out there. Maybe we'll have some of that um, for you guys. say we're going to do that? No, I'm just saying on SDS collectively. Not necessarily just on the oh. podcast, but just collectively at SDS. We're going to look and talk about this as a potential midway point of the season. Teams still trying to figure if, out if they're going to be contenders, pretenders, all that stuff. When you got eight teams in the top 25, I think that's kind of realistic. So let's look ahead to the slate that we've got this week. And I say this week referring to week seven, of course. We already talked about the big, big-time game in Baton Rouge between Georgia and LSU. College Game Day did not get that game. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. College Game Day doesn't like to take games where teams have come in uh, riding a loss. Off a loss, yeah. Uh, which, I guess, makes sense. So they went with um, uh, Wisconsin They're scared. Michigan. They're scared. They're scared. College Game Day ain't played nobody either. Um, what time is that at Wisconsin-Michigan game? Is that at like 8.30 in the morning? You know, they do play at night in, in the big time. They? they do play at night every once in a while. It's awesome, dude. It's one of the biggest stadiums ever. That's not a that's not a slight at you. That's making fun of them. You should you should experience jump around. I'll say that for any college. Oh, football I would, fan. I would love, Wisconsin. I respect, and I think that environment. Michigan, I don't because the the way that stadium's built, it just gets further and further and further away from the action, so it's not loud. Yeah, they they didn't construct that in the way that it would you know where it's like vertically where the noise is. I don't know. I'm not a big acoustics guy, but I I think it's that, about acoustics. None of them Michigan men knew how to build. I mean, I so I I've, I've had Legos my whole life, so I've been building stuff. For a long time, you get it. What's the spread of that Georgia LSU game going to be? Uh, okay. So I said last week I think it'll be Georgia between four and six points. That was too high. That's what you said. Do you yeah, I said that. I said that then. I say that now. Do you have the spread? 
No, I don't have the spread. I'm 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 legitimately like let's let's ask because I don't I'm not even sure. Georgia if, minus eight. Is that the line? What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That'll come down. That'll come down. But that's if I'm a, if I'm LSU better, I'm I'm jumping all over that. But I mean, Vegas has been down in LSU the entire year. Yeah, I mean, that's true. before the season, I mean, this is they had six and a half total wins projected for them. So Vegas hasn't really respected this team for most of the years. So that says a lot more about Vegas and their own issues with themselves than it has anything to do with LSU. What's the next game we got? Let's, you want to talk about you want to talk about a shocker? You ready for this? Let's talk about Florida and Vandy. The, what do you think the line is on that? That game is in Nashville, which we know nobody gets out of Nashville alive. So I'm assuming. Not my liver. Like twelve points. Are you serious, Florida? Who just beat LSU? But not necessarily high octane offense. Yeah, it's ten. Ten. And huh. it's not. It's it's actually not even money on it. It's it's minus one hundred five instead of minus one ten. I'm actually. I'll, I'll uh, take a bazillion dollars on that, please. And whatever the under is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Man, I think Florida this? wins that game, but at the Man, same time, we're not. Ta- we're not. Anything. We're not talking about a high-octane offense yet. We're still talking about a team that gets it done defensively. Is still going to have to win close games and not make that mistake. Do you think they'll score 20 points? Do you think they score 21 points? Yeah, I think they score 21 points. Do you think Vandy can score 10? Uh, potentially. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule that out. But I'm not surprised to see that low double digits. We'll see how that, that line moves. How about Alabama-Mizzou? What it, or I should say Mizzou-Alabama. Dang it. Did you already see it? I, I, I haven't seen the line. So I'm not going to guess. I'm going to let you guess this one. It's in Tuscaloosa, not a very loud stadium, not a lot of fans show up on time. Uh, How about 20, I mean, that's, 29? 29 and a half! I'm getting Dude, I'm, so good I'm at this. I'm so proud. This is awesome. Dude, I'm I, teaching you how to be a degenerate, man. I'm going to ruin your life. My picks are garbage. Don't even look at my picks from last week because I think I got pretty much every game wrong except Ole Miss. Don't look at mine either. But in terms of, of guessing of guessing spreads, I, I am getting better. I will pride myself on that if nothing All right, my else. turn, my turn. My, my, my turn. <laughs> my, my, my turn. Babe, just whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dinner party reference from the yeah, office. Yeah, he wasn't calling me, babe. You. Yeah. <laughs> All right, how about let's guess. Ooh, this one's interesting. Auburn, Tennessee. Tennessee, Auburn, I'm, I should say, because it's at Auburn. Tennessee coming off a of bye week. I'm going to say Auburn, nine and a half. I like that. I was I was I was gonna go probably just ooh, 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 ooh. just Auburn north of that. eighteen and a half. I think that's too high. I, Vegas has loved like, Auburn this year. We looked at, we've yeah. looked at spreads the last you know four weeks or so with with Auburn and thought really we we really feel that good yeah. about Auburn's offense. We still feel like they're gonna be able to light up the score. That's I don't know. I don't pretty know. shocking on this one. Considering that Tennessee had Georgia at the at what twenty it was. 24 to 12 with like five minutes left in that right. game in Athens coming off a of bye week. I don't know. I, oh, I, it has nothing to do with Tennessee. It has everything to do with Auburn. And the, and Jeremy Pruitt is a, def, a defensive-minded coach that's gone up against a Gus Miles on offense a lot. Did it at Florida State even in the national championship. Let's look at this one that we, we've talked about the, the seesaw that is the Ole Miss offense this year, but – Interesting matchup because Ole Miss, Arkansas, I think if we would have looked at that three, four weeks ago, we would have said Ole Miss favored by a billion. I think that line is has got to be relatively tight considering the – I know the Arkansas defense struggles against Alabama. But that game is in Little Rock. 
So. Is it in Little Rock? Yeah. Or Fayetteville? That game's in Little Rock, not in Fayetteville. Oh, I so. never got that. Yeah, it's it's what it's they like do. It's a 40,000 seat stadium. They it's used what... to play LSU there, and you'd be like, play them in a bigger place. Yeah, that's a, another topic for another time. But that, that game is still technically a home game for, for Arkansas. Ole Miss has not been consistently, and when they've run into good defenses, yeah. they, they have struggled. John the Don Chavis. Hey, John, John, John. He's angry coming into this one. So I'm going to guess that this line is actually relatively close. I'm going to say that this is Ole Miss favored by five, six points. Five and a half. Seven and a half, and it's actually plus. So they're just begging you to bet on Arkansas. Really? Seven and a half. Now, I'll tell you what. I don't know what the over-under is yet. Those don't come out until tomorrow or later today. I would jump all over what the over is. I don't care if it's over 70. Ole Miss scored 70 points twice this year. It's the only team in the SEC to do that since I didn't read the rest of the stat because I was eating my fried chicken. Reading is hard, though. Yeah, that's um, true. In your defense. So let's uh, let's look at the other interesting one that we've got in Columbia. Which Columbia, you ask? Uh, the one in South Carolina that basically it just had Columbo. an entire monsoon. By the way, Columbia, the I, rest in peace Columbia's field, uh, South Carolina's field, because we, we remember the Jay-Z thing where the Jay-Z Beyonce oh, yeah. concert. I, by the way, Beyonce, Jay-Z concert, my bad. Yeah, you got to stand for something, Connor. Where it ruined the field. I don't know how that field could have survived yesterday, but that looked like a, a beating that it took. South Carolina is hosting Texas A&M. Texas A&M, of course, coming off the win against Kentucky. South Carolina may be going to have a new quarterback. This is going to be a tough line for Vegas Michael to set. Skarn. Michael Skarn could be the next like great thing space. in the SEC. I'm going to say that. I, um, what You take a guess at this one. Do you, or do you know it? For it? There's not a line for it. Oh, okay, yeah. Out of the, yeah. Okay, so that prediction in itself was right because... <laughs> Wait to hold that to the... I should have told you that earlier. I just realized that was like our big finale. And our final well, review. Final guy. They're not ready. They're not ready. Uh, no, that that actually was correct in my prediction because I, I said that we wouldn't get, we weren't going to set a line for this because we don't know the quarterback situation. Yeah, that's, that's true. So. That's true. Uh, victory for Connor. Um, time to... I mean, you've had a good one. I, I just... And I, just let me apologize to everybody for how salty and hangry I've been. I need to eat a Snickers before the next podcast. And you know, it doesn't mean I don't love you guys. I, it, it definitely doesn't mean that, okay? Uncle Chris is going through his own personal issues after a 7-7 seven and seven day yesterday, okay? Still want you to head over to my bookie. Still want you to use the promo code SDS. Still get the 100% deposit matched. Go after 7 o'clock, put in SDS25, get the 100% deposit match and 25 extra dollars. Don't be like Chris, okay? Mm-mm. Be better than Chris. Be better. I'm gonna go by Aunt Chris this week. That's what I've earned. I, whoa, taking yeah. a taking a shot at ants, are you? <laughs> Dang. Are we doing this next segment? Just, oh yeah. I, I don't know if he's ready to talk. I he's he's ready. He's had we we gave him a full like 22 hour grace period. I know he he's still upset. He called his shot. Coach O called his shot at halftime and said that that LSU was gonna win this game. Uh, I had my lead ready to go, written out, had LSU won that. No, I'm kidding. I, maybe in my head I mean, a little bit. But uh, do, we, do we have Coach O? Is Coach O available today to, to talk? He's been sitting outside, and he's just been blowing spit bubbles into the abyss. Like nothing. He, I mean, like, he, I wanted him to, like, feel safe because, like, like, where we live in downtown Atlanta, like, there's, like, random people uh, coming off the Marta station just yelling into the abyss all the time. And he's, he's like, felt at home, I think, doing that. But let me see if he's – all right. Coach, you, do you want – all right, he's going to – all right, you're brave. We appreciate it. 
All right, God. How you doing today? I'm, I think I'm doing better than you. I think I am. Well, you don't have to say it like that. That seemed pretty personal. I'm sorry. That was too soon. They call it Sunday fun day. It ain't a very fun day today down here in Baton Rouge. Um, first and foremost, I want to apologize to the nation. Should have never taken an airboat with Joe to go to Gainesville. Should have taken an airplane at my fault. I thought we were riding in style, and we shouldn't have done that. Uh, a lot of times they say you got to fall down seven, get up eight. That don't make no sense to me because you are, I mean, you only fall seven, just get up seven times. Also, you fall seven times, probably just stay down. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of reason to get back up. Anyway, I'm going to try to motivate Tiger Nation the best way I know how. Reading. So I got a couple motivational quotes from other people. Okay? Motivation. Optimism. Optimism, start with O. Orgeron, start with O. So here you go, Tiger Nation. I'll do the words from the heart. Quote. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. We're going to have to work at this every day. But I want to do that because I want you. I want all of you, forever, every day, you and me, Tiger Nation, every day. Another quote, same author, very inspirational. Quote, you can't live your life for other people. You got to do what's right with you, even if I hurt people you love, Okay. Last one, this one's special to me, because about the job, getting the job, I've wanted my whole life. I love Tiger Nation, I love LSU. Quote, you are and always have been my dream. Those are all quotes. Nicholas Sparks, The Notebook, one of my favorite books, definitely one of my favorite movies. Ryan Gosling, good movie. I'm going to go back out here, probably going to watch The Notebook. Well, Chris. Wow, Coach. That, that, was, was, uh, that took a lot. I mean, you're so brave. That was. Uh, we'll get some chocolate. Probably get some potato salad, and we'll get through this the best way I know how. Um, With some Texas good. Pete, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here's Coach O. Before before I let you go, the good news is that this is the SEC, and you get a chance to redeem yourself. You get Georgia coming to town. You get Mississippi State the week after, and then you get a bye week before Bama. So you got three straight games against top 25 teams at home, Tiger Stadium. You get a chance to get that big carry off the field game. I know it's, you want it to be Saturday. You want it to be undefeated at this point in the season. But it's going to be okay. Kind of, uh, I mean, all that don't mean anything to me. Everything you said about Florida, how it's all the greatest. I heard everything you said, okay? I didn't mean for so, you to hear that. I'm sorry. I, That's... I appreciate it. But if you would just let me go watch the notebook in peace, I would really also appreciate it. Respect my time and my privacy in this time of need. Fair enough. You ever seen a notebook? <laughs> what kind of a question is that, of course? <laughs> Come on. Coach Joe, you know me better than that. Let's, let's, let's be right. All right, everybody, let me tell you something. I'll tell you one word that Doug. Redemption start with R. Orgeron, second letter, start with R. Are you kidding me? Come on now. Come on now. We back. We back at it. You know what I picture every time that we do this, and <laughs> which is now every episode, <laughs> and we finish up. And I remember the quote from The Office where 
prison mic comes out <laughs> and they say, you really expect us to believe that this is, this isn't you. Oh, you really expect me to, not to shove you up against a wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and to the, I don't know, the on average six to eight people that are going to message me this week upset about this, this segment from the bottom of my heart. I'm so sorry. I can it's, tell. It is. <laughs> Moving on. Let's finish up with a different coach, and it might mean too much. We alluded to this earlier. Gus Malzahn suffered his second loss, which, as we know at Auburn, is the worst thing you could ever do. That $32 million buyout is apparently on the minds of many Auburn fans <laughs> because there have been, there's been a GoFundMe page that's been started to try and pay for that. Now, at the time that the story was written, they still had a long ways to go to get to that $32 million it was only a five dollars, um, but you gotta you gotta start somewhere. <laughs> I will start a GoFundMe page to keep him hired at Auburn. How about that? I bet that would raise a little bit more money than what that page has done. What happens to that money in the GoFundMe if they don't? I've always they're never gonna that. get there. I, what I, a great way to just rip people off. I've are, been in several pyramid schemes in my life. None like this. This sounds great. Is that the new the new college football pyramid scheme? Is well, if you get in now, starting a GoFundMe page for a coach to get fired that you know isn't gonna marketing. get fired. It's different. I. I think we just stumbled onto something great here. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to go launder money through um, the internet, guys. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we do have two quick five-star reviews to get to, um, one of which from this this one is, it, it makes my heart. Uh, one, of, one of these I don't get. The other, it, it makes my heart melt a little bit. Um, this is from uh, Morton Zihu. Morton Zoo. I don't know. Uh, subject line, amazing podcast. Love this podcast. Great commentary on games. Connor and Chris balance each other out perfectly. Entertaining and funny to listen to. The Coach O segments are absolutely hilarious, and they hold great guest interviews. Coach O, mm-hmm. does that make you feel a little bit better? I, I, I hear what you say. I'm trying to, it, it's a part where Noah is on the Ferris wheel, hanging off the Ferris wheel, and he's about to get a first date with Allie. So I, I, I'm sure it was nice. Thank you. All right, I'm going to ask you about this last one because I don't think I understand it. Okay. This one is from Captain Swirl Seventeen. Uh, subject line: Five star recommendation. <laughs> yeah. But it great. says <laughs> O of five needs more Aaron Tuning. Aaron Tuning is a good friend of mine. He's a he's a very fa- he used to be famous on Vine. Um, Ooh, Vine famous. That's cool. Yeah, he's he's actually really cool. He uh, so and the reason it was brought up is because Aaron um, was recently blocked. Or he was blocked last year by Tim Tebow, and he was Sick at the brag. Super Bowl, which you've been to. You said it was pretty yes, awesome. Yes, I have. And Tebow was there, and uh, and he had to do red carpet interviews with him. He's like a, he's like a public figure, like social, not just social media celebrity. But he's just kind of an all around celebrity in general. And he, um, I just reminded him that we were going to interview Tebow, and he, I wanted to, you know, should I ask him why he was blocked? But didn't come up. Aaron Shooting, great guy, big Georgia fan. So there you go. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, anyone who has ever sent us a five-star review. Please continue to rate, review, all that fun stuff. Tell your friends to subscribe. Um, that's what all the cool kids are doing these days. Even Tim Tebow, uh, who, by the way, waved at me. Remember? Like I told you, he would. Did he wave? Yeah. He waved, and it was definitely just for me with you know the open-air press box. He could see me perfectly, and he was you know gave me a little left-handed nice. salute, uh, as one does. Make sure you're watching Facebook Live every Monday night and Saturday morning when Chris rolls out of bed. And no, it was a little bit of a rough week for Uncle Chris <laughs> and Coach O. Uh, not the best week for your overall uh, characters, but 
they they will survive. They will find another day. Um, there it is. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. You're gonna see all those great stats that I'm just feeding Chris. Those are. I, I, I'm not stealing statue. We I work know. for the same I'm company. Gonna, I come you know, up this with this week. I will though. Everything you tweet, I'm just gonna put as my own. I'm just fine. gonna copy and paste it. That's fine. I, I will. I make those now, just knowing that there, there's a decent chance that they're gonna end up on the Insta, and I'm I'm good with that. So I'll just start quoting you for the. Even though we work at the same company, it's my fault. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> make sure you're following us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS at C J O'Gara. Maybe gonna have a guest on Wednesday. Don't wanna don't wanna say that officially because it's, we're still trying to figure out a time for him to come on. It is but George Bush. It is W. No. <laughs> but until then, Asagi upset Kocho. I assume he's soggy when he's sad. I, full sweat. Just... Uh, you know the... Uh, it, oh, you know the whole time the, the old lady he talking to is the young lady he also was talking to in the movie. You know that? That's deep. I ain't, I ain't know that till right now. Kocho, go back to watching The Notebook and tell us what the people need to remember. It might be too much. See you Wednesday.